0: Hey, everyone. It's Jessica. Welcome to episode 23 of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. So glad you are here today for another incredible episode. Today my guest is Becky Proudfit. You might know Becky from her podcast Cultivate a Good Life where she talks about just that and we're diving deeper into what that looks like practically in her own life today. She's an extraordinary mom, she's built a successful career, and she has learned a lot of really valuable life lessons along that path that has really helped her to guide others to also pursuing that same really good life. We also talk about creating light and not heat in your home. I love that thought so much, and perhaps as you're approaching summer, you could really benefit from that those words of wisdom as well. There might be some of you that feel like you're average today. Well, today's episode is for you because Becky and I, we do not believe anybody is average and you will hear why we think that. So Becky is just an extraordinary person and I can't wait for you to hear more about her journey. So let's get to my conversation with Becky Proudfit. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Becky Proudfit today. Hi, Becky.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing awesome. Well, actually, I have some sick kids home today. Oh, of We've course. Been having the flu go through our house, and it never seems to hit where they can all get sick at the same time. Like oh. there's like a a nice staggering. So it's like a month before it makes it through our entire house.
0: Yeah, it's a rolling so. flu. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> exactly.
1: That's yeah, so terrible. We're on kid three or four. So in about two weeks, we should be just great.
0: Oh my gosh, that is the absolute worst. And I read an article last night about how this flu season is abnormally lengthy, which is super bummer.
1: Yeah, and we had flu shots this year, so I was very shocked that we got the flu, but you know, I'm also taking advantage of that little extra snuggle time with the kiddos and having a lot of movie watching and one-on-one time, so... I guess there's a silver lining to all things.
0: Yeah. And would you consider yourself more of an extrovert or an introvert by nature? Like, do you like being home more or are you an outgoing, like to be with people person?
1: (laughs) I really think that I am an extroverted introvert. Okay, me too. (laughs) I love to connect with people. I thrive on that energy. And equally, I thrive on the energy of being able to be home, to be still, to take time. Um, to kind of center myself, and and that time to me is just as valuable. So I'm kind of like two sides of the same coin.
0: Yeah, I think that I when I heard that new term extroverted introvert, I thought bingo, that is me. Yeah. Because I love when plans get canceled. Like I'm a yes person, and I and I'll show up for people, and I'll do that. But if something gets canceled, I'm not usually that disappointed <laughs> by extra hours yes, of my day too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it well I'm so excited to to chat about you and hear a little bit more about your story you have a podcast how long have you been podcasting now
1: so we launched our podcast October 17th of this year so we've really only been at it about seven months
0: and tell everybody what your podcast is called
1: so my podcast is called Cultivate a Good Life, and a good friend of mine in real life, Becky Higgins, who is the founder and creator of Project Life, um, approached me about starting a podcast, and it was not something that was really on my radar. I kind of come from a media entertainment background, but um, podcasting was not on my radar. I, I loved podcasting, I was an avid consumer of podcasting, um, and so we kind of, Jumped in, knowing it was the right thing to do, but also feeling like I was standing naked in the grocery store a little bit. <laughs> um, and it's been awesome. It's been so such a great growing experience to be in that content creation mode. Um, we do a lot of interviews with other people, so learning from other women, connecting with other women. Um, I really love this whole movement that's going on of like women just really honoring each other respecting each other, amplifying each other. Um, It's just, it's really exciting to be part of.
0: Oh, I could not agree more. Well, congratulations on getting that up and running. And I just think it is so much fun. And I always say that I get as much out of these interviews as any of my listeners. And I'm I'm glad I was able to figure out the logistics to put it out there for everyone else to listen to. But don't you just feel like connecting with these women and, you know, depending upon when you do your interviews, I'm usually doing in the mornings to start out my day that way. In the same way the listeners might put in their earbuds first thing in the morning and hear these from these inspiring women. And in your case, they're trying to create these good lives. And it's like, ah, it just is so inspiring.
1: It is. It's empowering. And Mm -hmm. what I feel like it is is podcasting really is having a conversation with a really good girlfriend who loves you and wants the best for you and wants to help you grow and wants – wants to learn from you and and the great thing is is that you allow other people to listen in on these conversations that really are just these intimate moments of friendship and it's just it's just a beautiful thing it's kind of that you know everyone's invited to sit at our table podcasting is mm-hmm. the way to have everyone sit inside of your friendships and it, um, it, it's awesome
0: it is oh good work good work i love it so tell me a little bit more about your background and um how you got to where you are
1: So I, um, I'm actually from New York and, um, growing up, I was like a super cheerfully outgoing, bright and shiny kind of child. And I would say that one of my like strengths as a child was my ability to like dream big, like crazy big dreamer. That was kind of, kind of my childhood. And so as I, um kind of tried out different things. It gave me the ability to not be afraid to try new things. So I did band and I did dance and I was in musicals and cheerleading and swim team and tried just a really wide variety um, of activities, which I loved. And, and so when I was in college, I uh, was walking through our little student quad one day and I saw a representative from the Disney company uh, on campus and I was like, oh, that would be so, so cool. To, you know to go and do an internship for Disney. So I interviewed, I got the job, which was great. So I moved from New York to Florida and I was an intern for Disney World. and that internship turned into um, a full-time position once I was done. and so I was able to work in Disney Entertainment for several years. And then I got married, met and married my husband and uh, moved to the West Coast. I still worked uh, for Disney Entertainment for a few years after that doing recruiting Um, and during that time I had my first child.
0: Hey everyone, I know you are loving getting to know Becky, but I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors that make this show possible, and that is Highlands. Do you know that earaches are one of the primary causes for doctor visits with over 30 million visits per year? I bet you do know that because if you're like me, over the summer, swimmer's ear and other ear pain is getting you into the urgent care, and it's such a bummer. Well guess what, Highlands can help. After you've been diagnosed with an earache by a physician, try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. Highlands homeopathic ear drops and tablets provide natural relief to help you get back to doing what you love. Visit Highlands.com—that's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S.com—to find a retailer near you. That's highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. And claims are not based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated, read and follow label directions. I've been loving using Highlands with my kids, the slightest sign of an ear pain, and it has been amazing. So I highly, highly recommend this and thank them for their support.
1: And transitioning to motherhood for me, it's something I knew I wanted. Um, this was another adventure kind of in my eyes, but what I wasn't expecting was how I kind of felt like my life came to like a screeching halt after I had my first child because I, I had um, really pulled back on work hours and, and, you know, this child was my was my life now, was my focus, was kind of my everything, and he was such a good kid. Like, mm. you would sleep for, like, four hours, and I just remember sitting there thinking, like, what in the world am I supposed to do with all this time? Like, I'm just here sitting in my house for hours and hours and hours and hours, and so as I kind of moved along my motherhood journey, that feeling of being lost in motherhood um, was something I really had to examine and and deal with and kind of work through to be able to find – purpose and fulfillment in, in what I was doing. And that was a really big, long journey. Um, so now I have four kids. My youngest just went to kindergarten uh, this year. So this journey with podcasting kind of came at just the right time. Um, and I feel like I've just learned learned so much through being a mom. Um, I know I listened to your episodes as well. And I know you also had the postpartum anxiety, Mm -hmm. which I had never heard of anyone else that had postpartum anxiety, but I have really severe postpartum anxiety and, um, going through those child bearing years and the earlier years were, were really, really wonderful and also really, really tough for me, um, working through that postpartum anxiety.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that you experienced that as well, but you are certainly not alone in that for sure. And so going back to the before kid phase of your life, what did okay. a good life look like to you? And then you go on to have kids and the good life looks different. And and sometimes swapping out, even when you're moving into a season where there genuinely is a lot of good things, a lot of new joy and a lot of exciting things. Just simply the nature of transition is that there's some discomfort involved, right? So can you kind of compartmentalize a good life to me before looked like this? And then what did it look like as you were easing into a new good life in the second season?
1: Yeah. So before before kids and kind of adolescence in my early adulthood, I think um, I hadn't yet gained all the tools that I needed to – process emotion in the way that I needed to um, so I was constantly in motion right like I was wanting to see and do and experience and be part of and and that was very fulfilling for me to be um, learning new things and and doing that in an active way And and I felt like the kind of like you know the world was my oyster and so I had all this potential and what could be and it was just like that very exciting time of a lot of motion a lot of learning, a lot of growing, a lot of seeing, a lot of doing. And so a good life to me back then really was just that constant, that constant input, that constant motion, the constant learning, the constant improvement, the constant dreaming and, and, and creating this reality that I wanted my life to be. And truthfully, that's what it meant to me then. What I didn't know is that I was really missing some really key tools of being still Hmm. and being centered and, and those things that I hadn't quite learned, um, switching over into motherhood where I was forced into a lot of stillness. Um, I wasn't, I had to learn to not look for external validation. I had to really learn how to take what was inside of me and and be able to create fulfillment with, within myself, and to be able to validate my worth completely internally without the external validation. Because, you know, being a mother, it's not like there's a set of criteria, and if you fulfill those criteria, you get your gold star, and you're a successful mother, and good for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not how it is. And so you have to really have a strong sense of self to not be lost in that process, or to not be Constantly trying to make yourself the best, most extraordinary mom, and in, in, in defining what that what that means for you. So, cultivating um, that great life for me in motherhood now means I'm drawing on the strength that is inside of me.
0: I love that, and and you come across as somebody who is a lifelong learner and somebody always, you know, chasing new opportunities and excitement and things like that. And certainly there's plenty of that if we choose to view it that way in motherhood, right? And it's not the same um, progression of maybe, you know, outward applause or promotions or gold stars or things like that. But when you're able to recognize, hey, I'm a little deficient in being still and not having that outward, you know, affirmations and things like that. Um, and realizing this is the situation that can bring me to that place where I can learn that new skill set. And that Mm -hmm. is huge. That is huge, but we have to be willing to recognize there's going to be some hard work involved, but the outcome is going to be of great benefit to us becoming who we're truly created to be, you know?
1: It is, and we are not created to be people that, Need or or that really thrive off that external validation. That's mm-hmm. kind of the myth with external validation is that, you know, if I can do this, then I will have that validation. If people think this, then that means I am this. And and the shift for me really um, really happened when I learned to sit in, <clears throat> to sit in that stillness. Because to be honest with you, like I was saying when I had my first child. Um, I had almost all, I had pulled back almost entirely on work hours. I still kept a few and I remember like distinctly, we lived in a little condo and I remember him, he just napped, he would nap so beautifully. And I remember sitting there at like, you know, hour one of what I knew was going to be a four hour nap. And I had already done the laundry and prepared dinner and cleaned up and, read some things. And, and I just remember thinking, I don't like, I literally don't know what to do with time. Like I don't know how to be still and make that okay. And that was kind of a scary realization because that was a discomfort for me. And I imagine for other people, you know, maybe the constant motion or or learning is uncomfortable for me. The stillness was like deafening. It Mm -hmm. was scary to me because I wasn't sure what I was left with when I was still. And so being able to kind of get to know myself and really um, learn in a completely different way, so, so gratifying. And those tools have helped make, you know, now that my life, my kids are are beginning to be a little bit older and there is more motion in my life. Uh, raising teenagers is definitely constant motion, <laughs> but that motion has more, has more value and it has more uh, purpose because... I value the stillness because I need that stillness and I know what to do with the stillness.
0: Yeah, as you were about to finish your sentence in that the motion has purpose, that was exactly the word I was thinking of because we can move at a frenetic pace and we can chase and we can change and we can fill up every moment of our calendar and it can be completely fruitless if we let it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Have you been through seasons where
0: your values were not on your calendar at all? Like the things you truly valued, you were spending all your time doing the things that you say, you know, you don't value, but that's not what's reflected in, in the daily, you know, allotment of, of your day. We've all been there. And so to Mm -hmm. really realize what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Am I doing it on purpose? because there's nothing wrong with being, you know, quote-unquote busy or having a full life or, you know, having your kids involved in things and that's fine. That's wonderful. But is it the things that matter most to you? And are you not, you know, not doing the things that you do value because you're too booked up?
1: I think that's well a and great time. and one thing, one thing in motherhood that was a really big um big game changer for me. And this was, um, about last year I had, I was unexpectedly diagnosed with cancer, which was like, totally came out of left field. I had always had my yearly screenings done. Like I didn't even think this was a possibility. Ended up having a severe enough cancer where I had to have chemo and radiation. And sometimes you have those circumstances in your life where like you are forced to slam on the brakes and to stop, like you have to stop everything and deal, put all your energy into dealing with this one problem. And the sad truth is when I kind of embarked on that, on that cancer journey, um, I realized some kind of uncomfortable truths about myself because I have, my husband and I have always had high expectations and high standards for our kids, which I totally think expectations and standards are really, really good thing. But when I was kind of taken out of the game in, in dealing with treatment, we realized, like, I, I think I have some control issues. Like, mm-hmm. I was really, really micromanaging my children in a way that they did not need to be micromanaged, number one. And number two, in a way that was damaging to me. And as I kind of examined that and worked through that during cancer treatment, I realized that um, there were some uncomfortable truths about, you know what, I, I was uncomfortable – letting my kids fail a test because they didn't have the motivation to study because I was afraid of how that would reflect on me as a mother, on the kind of mother I was, if I was a good mother, if I was a worthy mother. And even though I thought I had worked through all that, that cancer trial really stopped me in my tracks and made me re-examine all these different areas of my life of what am I doing for my kids that they should be doing for themselves. Am I tying my self-worth as a human being to the success of my children, really to the external success, the visible success of my children? And I was laying awake one night and my mind was spinning. Like when I get in that like headspace, my my wheels just constantly go and I, I kind of like critique my day and say, okay, well, what could I have done differently? You know, clearly this child didn't care about being successful on this test. How can I make him care? How can I how can this child, this child was maybe not kind for a moment. And am I not doing something that's causing them to not learn these lessons of kindness? And my husband, like, he must've just been exhausted with me, but (laughs) he stopped me and he's like, Becky, you have got to stop making this all about you. You're making this all about you. And my initial reaction was like, are you kidding me? Do you not know that everything I do is for our family? And he's, and he just, in his wonderful, loving way said, Honey, their failures are not because of you. And guess what? Their successes are also not because of you. Mm -hmm. Like your job is to love them and to teach them and to guide them and also to honor them and to see them, to respect them, to allow them enough freedom to fail and learn from it, to fail and, and know what that feels like, to establish that thing inside of them that tells them they want to do better. And that was such a game changer for me when he said that, because I realized, oh my gosh, number one, I'm tying my expectation and self-worth on how my children are approaching and and living within the world, which was horrible. What a horrible expectation to place on my children. And number two, my job is to, is to love them, is to provide the structure they need to succeed But more than that, it's to provide the structure where they can safely and fail, where they can safely fail and and gain the the knowledge they need from those failures. And so when I kind of switched my thinking, when I was forced to stop, it changed everything. And I was able to start living as a mother and as as a human being in such a more free way, being able to honor the people around me instead of trying to like fit everybody into a box.
0: I know you're loving this conversation with Becky, but I wanted to thank another show sponsor, and that is StoryWorth. You know that person in your family that tells the best stories and gets retold again and again and again? Wouldn't you love it if that was recorded for all time so that your kids and your grandkids and their kids would have a document recording those really special memories that are part of your family legacy? Well, StoryWorth, our sponsor today, was founded by a guy who wanted his dad to record his amazing stories. And the family enjoyed that process and those stories for years, and now they have this beautiful, beautiful company. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts and questions that you never thought to ask. And then at the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound into a beautiful hardcover book. And this will just strengthen your family bonds and you can even get to know your loved ones even better. So this is exactly how StoryWorth works. First, you just purchase a subscription for someone you love. Father's Day's coming up and this would be the perfect gift for a dad, a grandpa, another male figure in your life and you purchase that subscription for them. Then each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They simply respond to the email with their story. All stories are private and only shared with the family that they choose. After a year, the stories are bound into a beautiful keepsake book, and you will be so glad you gave this gift that truly keeps on giving. I gifted StoryWorth to my grandfather and it's been so interesting over the past little bit learning about aspects of his life that I never knew about and asking questions to him that I never thought to ask. It is such a beautiful gift and I know you're going to love it. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com slash EMP when you subscribe. I would love for you to take advantage of this offer because not only is it a good deal, but it is truly a meaningful gift that would be perfect for your Father's Day gift coming up. So check out storyworth.com slash EMP for $20 off. Thank you so much to StoryWorth for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to my conversation with Becky. Most people would think if they received a cancer diagnosis or somebody they know did, you know, the, the fear and the trepidation is about, you know, the physical aspect and, and the pain and the sickness and all that your body is going to be going through. But it is so interesting what a front seat, the mental component had mm-hmm. in that journey for you. That's really fascinating.
1: And, and the physical of cancer is not super fun.
0: Right. That, not that, to diminish not that at it. all. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: But honestly, I will tell you, and, and people since have, you know, at people here, I've had cancer and the cancer diagnosis, and they all usually want to talk to me about that. And I'm like, yes, that was really, really hard. Um, but I will tell you that there were times with postpartum anxiety where that felt much, much harder than cancer. Um. For me, the physicality of cancer was was awful, but um, the mental anguish of anxiety at times was harder um, than really than really going through cancer. And I think it just illustrates the point of, you know, I, as women, one of the things that I think we tend to do when we're not being our best selves is we we look at someone who's had cancer, or we look at the trials of other people, and we kind of like have a little meter of like, mm-hmm. whose trial is the hardest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's just not that way. Because I have had trials that really were not trials at all, that felt so profound to me, that were the things that made me not want to get out of bed. But yet I was able to thrive through cancer. And so I just don't think all trials are, are linear, right? We have yeah. these experiences and and sometimes the small stuff feels, and that reality of the small stuff is is way bigger than than even the trials that might look like they're bigger, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And I think we each personally have a sliding scale for what feels bigger or lesser to each of us individually and then we kind of project that outwards and so while some of us may you know endure childbirth in a much different way than another person or cancer diagnosis and going through those treatments or postpartum anxiety like everyone kind of has a different yeah meter I guess you know to put to go back to what you said in terms and but ultimately, it comes back to that comparison of our trials serves no people. <laughs> Nobody wins in that situation, and so validating this feels hard, and this needs to be addressed, and then addressing it—that's that's all that really matters when you come to that place. And when you said um, about having you know high expectations for your kids and having that you know be horrible, I think the only horrible thing is when we know that something is not working and not serving them or serving us and you keep doing the same thing out of fear of doing the hard thing or the, having the willingness to endure the discomfort to make it better. Yeah, We all do yeah. things naturally or we're conditioned to think a certain way or do a certain thing that are not working. But when we're striving to be self-aware and to become our best selves and we're on that pursuit of being a little better every day and and tweaking the things that aren't working for us, we're all doing the best we can. And there should be a lot of grace we have for ourselves in that middle part where we're trying to figure it out.
1: I love that you said grace because actually each year I come up with a word that's kind of my theme for Mm. the year, like what I'm working on, what I'm trying to be really aware of, be present in. And my word for 2019 is grace. Mm. And it's grace for myself and grace for all those Around me, and I think as women, we really lead we really lead in society we certainly lead in our families um, of giving that example of giving people the benefit of the doubt of demonstrating grace to those we meet to know that most people are fighting a battle that we can't see. most people are trying their hardest right and and giving each other that space to giving giving each other that space to have to have love for each other in all situations, assuming that it's not about us and assuming that everyone truly is, is doing their best. And I also love that you said fear because I am a firm, firm believer that acting out of fear is never, never productive. I have found in my life, it's never productive to be acting out of a place of fear. And I think where the expectations for my children, where it became a problem is I had to examine, um, why? Why was it so important for my son, particularly at a young age, to care about school to the point where he would give it his 110% effort to get his full potential, which in my mind was A's? Hmm. That is not, that's actually not something anyone said. Like, that is something I came up with because I felt like that is what he should do. But when I examine that further, the experience of him not caring and experiencing failure and having that drive his motivation to reach his full potential academically was so much more productive than me saying, you will succeed because I'm telling you you're going to succeed because I'm a successful mother because my children succeed. Hmm. You know, that's an ugly truth. And and when I examine that and realize that, okay, part of this is that if he fails, what does that mean about me? <laughs> if he fails, where does that leave me as a mother, right? Yeah. And, and I had to disassociate because I truly believe that one of our greatest learning tools, you know, I love, I love learning, but one of our greatest learning tools is failure and failing in a safe and productive way. And as our kids are growing up, um, I, I attended this class and in the class the teacher said our job as parents is to provide safe ways for our children to fail so you let them fail a test you don't let them fail the school year right mm-hmm. but you provide them those safe failures so that they can grow and they don't have those lifetime failures because they already know how to fail and overcome in small and attainable ways
0: Yeah, and I've heard the same thing about sibling rivalry. Like, we should actually promote a safe environment of sibling rivalry where they're able to work out problem-solving, healthy communication skills, you know, not seeing eye-to-eye with somebody else and resolving that. Because in the context of your own home, what better place to learn those skills than to squash it or intervene all the time? And then they go out into the real world where they're not going to see eye-to-eye. They're going to need to problem-solve. They're going to need to have conflict resolution. And they don't know how to do it because we have been that is a the really mediator. good point yes mm-hmm. so i think that's that's huge and it definitely ties into to not saving them all the time and just to loop back around and finish up what we're talking about about fear i think fear is attributed to way more of our issues than we often give it credit for like we mislabel why we are doing or not doing certain things when really a lot of our limitations are rooted in fear, like why, are, why am I not working out? Oh, I don't, I'm don't, i not motivated or I don't, whatever it is. But like really like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of it being too hard? But when you can get down to the fear, you can kind of work backwards through, well, what's the worst that could happen? I've set out on a run and I have to walk. Is that like the worst thing ever? No, okay, <laughs> versus like, oh, I just, I'm, I've never been a runner, I'm not a good runner. It's all like very wishy-washy in, in the reasons. But I think actually boiling it down to what am I actually afraid of or what am I afraid that's holding me back, that can really help us to to work backwards and, and realize, well, even worst case scenario, it's not so bad. Like, what if my child failed that test? Okay, so let's walk through that. What would that actually look like? And would that be the end of the world? No, it really wouldn't the sky would not fall after
1: all. It, exactly. It wouldn't. And so my friend, Jenny Moore, who has an mm-hmm. amazing podcast called better than happy. I love her dearly. Yep. Um, she has this thing where she says, you know what you add on, the you add on the words and it's fine and it's okay. So yep. I went out on a run this morning and I had to walk 90% of the time and that's okay. Yeah. And, and it gets you in that habit of, of knowing, like you were saying, following that through and realizing, like, we have this whole set of prescribed um, expectations, whether it's, you know, we've given ourselves or family members or culture or however you've gotten them. But that exercise of, and it's okay, helps you to kind of like one by one challenge those to see like, okay, well, what if, what if I'm a mom who like really, Stinks at ironing or making dinner or whatever it is. Or what if I have a kid who genuinely doesn't care about school? Like, Hmm. is that okay? Like when you say that, is that okay? Or that is okay. You can examine, like, do I believe that's true? If my son fails that test, is that okay? Like, is that a a super big deal? And it might be, and it might not, but it helps you to kind of re-examine those you know, expectations that we're kind of giving ourselves and others so we can hone in on the ones that truly matter, right? The Mm -hmm. ones that really are game changers and let go of the things that aren't game changers. And when we do that, oh, talk about the freedom you have when you can let go of some of the things that truly don't matter.
0: Oh, yes. It gives you so much freedom and you just feel so much lighter. And I actually just found a podcast the other day that you might enjoy as well. It's called The Lazy Genius. Have you ever heard of this?
1: I have not heard of this. Okay.
0: It's a funny premise and it's a very clever name. So I really want to give Kendra props for that. So the lazy genius is about um, being a genius at the things that matter and being lazy about the things that don't. And she like gives you absolute permission to be like, if you want to be all in on this aspect of your life, be all in, like be excellent at that and invest in that. And then there's certain things. If you personally don't care or legitimately in the world, it actually doesn't matter give yourself the permission to be lazy about it. And so she gives you kind of life hacks about, you know, the things that can make things a little bit simpler for you or easier for you and so you could not put as much time into that. And so whether it's cleaning out the car and keeping a clean car or whether it's, you know, uh, uh, feeding a crowd, she I haven't listened to that one yet, but I plan to, right? It's just a great premise of like giving yourself permission to value what you personally value. And again, if, if going back to the question of does this really matter, if it does matter to you, even if most people would disagree, like getting an A really truly does matter, or having your kids take piano lessons really does matter, if it matters to you, go all in on that. That's But find a way that's actually serving and working for everybody. Um, but don't deny the value that you truly value if it's one of yours, just because it's not popular. So we want to give yourself permission totally. for that.
1: Mm-hmm. and, and- You could have grown up in a family where piano lessons are totally the thing, right? And that's very important. And you could realize and you can change your mind in your adult life and say, that doesn't serve my family. And that's just not important to me right at this moment, right? And I love that. I'm totally going to look her up and listen, listen to her podcast. That sounds really, really, really interesting, interesting to me. But I have just found so much, um, so much freedom in, in that uh, idea of being able to create an intentional life to not fall into what even I did last year or you know staying present in the moment of what works for my family for me right this very minute hey
0: everyone I wanted to jump in one last time and think our final show sponsor and that is better help is there something that's interfering with your happiness or cultivating a good life for you well maybe it's the time to address your mental health like we've been talking about in this episode. Addressing your mental deficiencies is just as important as taking care of your physical body. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. Most of the time people say, "Well, I don't have time to go to the therapy" or I don't, can't hire a babysitter because I don't have the money or I, I, it's too costly. BetterHelp is the solution to all of those problems. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be available locally in your area, but it's available to clients worldwide online. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, you'll get timely thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and you won't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. It's so amazing! This resource is committed to helping facilitate great therapeutic matches to make it easier to get the therapeutic help that can really change your life. Really, truly, I love it so much. I want you to visit BetterHelp.com EMP. And become one of the over 500,000 people that are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. For Extraordinary Moms podcast listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com EMP. I urge you, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself this summer. Don't wait. Check out BetterHelp. There's
1: nothing wrong with changing <laughs> your mind and readjusting. As your children change, as you change, as your marriage, as your financial, as whatever the million variables we have, as those change, there's nothing wrong with changing your mind, readjusting, reevaluating, and choosing a new path that serves your family better. Totally. That's the beauty of life. You can choose every single day to do something different.
0: Yes. And you're not a politician, so nobody's going to scrutinize you for flip-flopping, or as you as you know better, you do better, right? And we can constantly pivot in that way. But I bet there's people listening who do feel stuck, like what we're speaking to. They feel average. They feel like they don't have a lot to offer. They're lacking the maybe the, even the desire to be intentional, or they don't know what they want to be intentional about. What would you say to that woman listening who is in that stuck place or in that transition?
1: Well, first of all, to that woman, I would say you're in good company because we have all been there. I don't think there's anyone who can say that they have not been in that place where they are having the question of what do I even have to offer? What do I do from here? I feel totally stuck. We've all been there. Like This this is something we all experience. And so, number one, know that you are not alone, that this is normal, and that there is nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. You can sit with that and know that it is okay to be there. Um, I have a practice that I do when I am feeling this way. And what I do is I make a list of 10 things. And this has to be a list of 10 that I make kind of like just shooting from the hip. That's the whole point is kind of brain dumping, shooting from the hip. And then I'll show you what to do with this list. The list is called things I know to be true. And I can do things I know to be true. Let's, I'm looking for my purpose, for my intention. I write down things I know to be true about myself. And it could be, I'm a mother. It could be, I'm having a crappy day. It could be whatever thing is true to me in that moment. I like to read. Um, I'm kind of enjoying running right now. Whatever it is, I like to learn. And I will write 10 things down of things I know to be true, shooting from the hip. Then I look back at that list of 10, and I try to come up with three or four things that I actually think are true. So I take that list of 10, re-examine pick out three or four things that are actually true. So, okay, I really am loving this book I'm reading from Brene Brown, Something I Know to be True. Um, I know that my children have a mother who loves them. When I can get on paper the things I know to be true, patterns start emerging. And as I do this practice, you can do it every day. You can do it twice a day, however many times you need it to establish and to begin to see the patterns. Um, but it will st- you'll start to see things emerge that will tell you the truth about yourself. If you are really super duper stuck and literally cannot think of things you know to be true, I would recommend going to someone who you love, who knows you, really, really knows you, and ask them. Ask them for the list of things they need. They, they know to be true about you if you're not in a place where you can do it for yourself. And as you go through that process, you will start to see those patterns emerge. You will start to see things that you love about yourself, right? And when you spend time in the areas of your life where you truly have gifts, and I'm not talking about like you take piano lessons and you can play the piano really well. I'm talking about like things inside of you that are your ability to connect with people, or your ability to be still, that is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Having an innate ability to know how to be still, such a gift. Having an ability to connect with people, such a gift. Having a love and and having a heart for service, that is a gift. Having um, a charitable love for your children and those around you, that is a gift. As we, as we learn what our gifts are, I think we begin to see and it becomes clear to us how we want to and how we need to use those gifts in our sphere of influence. Hmm. And that might mean in your home. That might mean starting a podcast. It might mean writing a book or, or painting or, or bringing a friend a meal. Like it, it can mean whatever you want it to, right? But for me, when I'm feeling stuck, if I can identify what my gifts are, it becomes clear to me how to use those gifts, best in my life and when I do that when I use the things that I am and the gifts I have um, to better my situation in my home in my community that is where I find true like contentment and true peace and happiness
0: that is such a powerful exercise and I am definitely going to try that and I hope that the listeners will as well and really that is the purpose of this whole podcast is to help people to know how extraordinary they truly are. And it's not because of what they're doing. It's because of who they were truly created to be. And when you are using those unique gifts and talents and things, the things you were probably hopefully able to identify on that list, you're able to see, wow, I do have a lot going for me. And how can I use it to benefit my family, make myself happy and cultivate a good life for myself and to contribute to my neighbor right? And so the final question I always ask my guests, so thanks for the nice segue, you must be a podcast host, is, (laughs) Becky, what makes you extraordinary?
1: Okay, I actually learned this lesson this year. And quick backstory, I was asked to be on, be a guest at a really big kind of prestigious conference as a podcast expert. So because I wanted this, you know, I said yes to the opportunity and then immediately was like, oh my gosh, do they know that I'm not a podcasting expert? Like (laughs) I've really been doing this seven months. Like what in the world? And I was sitting with my friend, Natalie Norton, who's also another podcaster. And she said, you have to stop because you become an expert at something. The minute you decide you're an expert at something, you have a really successful podcast and someone has deemed you an expert, which makes you an expert. Hmm. So What makes me extraordinary as a mother because I've decided that I am extraordinary as a mother. What makes me extraordinary as a mother is every single day I get up and I try and I try and I try and I try. And that is the only thing that will ever make me exceptional is my desire to be my best. And the fact that I have decided within myself that my effort is enough and I am an exceptional mother.
0: What a powerful response. And you could just as easily try, 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 day in and day out and not give yourself any of the credit for trying. (laughs) So many people do that. They don't realize not everybody is just trying. They're letting fear hold them back. And that's not naturally within them to just do the thing and to be afraid and do it anyway or feel like a fraud and do it anyway. But that is unique to you, Becky, and the fact that You can acknowledge it means you can use it with way more superpower than if you didn't see the value in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One of my
1: favorite quotes says, the only time there is real failure is when you stop trying.
0: Yes. I love that.
1: And that's my favorite.
0: Yeah, that is so good. And actually, Natalie has been on the show and she is one of the only people who I have called. Natalie, you're such an extraordinary mom. And she said, yes, I am. And she's the only one that's like accepted it instead of deflected it. And and she went on to say, because we're all extraordinary. And she understands that almost better than anybody that I know. And I am striving to commit to that same understanding that I'm just as extraordinary as she is because I'm me and I'm showing up and I'm willing to to be me and show up in this world and to keep try, try, trying. And so are you. We're all extraordinary. We are. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for taking the time to come on the show. Will you tell everybody where they can find you online and your podcast and all the things?
1: Sure. So our podcast is available every place you can get podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, all the places. Um, And it's Cultivate a Good Life is the name of the podcast. I am on Instagram. My handle is at Becky ProudFit, and that's where I hang out and get to connect with people, which I really, really love doing.
0: So fun. Becky, this has been such a delightful morning and I hope everyone got a lot out of this conversation. I know that I did.
1: Well, thank you too, for what you're doing. I just I just love love. It inspires me so much to see women who feel like they have something to share and then fearlessly, sharing that truth. That is so inspirational for me. And so thank you for what you do and what you are bringing to the world because it is awesome and it matters and it is light.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Have an amazing day. I really want to thank Becky for coming on the show today. It was such a wonderful conversation and it did just feel like two moms chatting about what's going on in their life right now. I hope you found some really applicable takeaways that you can apply in your own life today, whether it's that gratitude practice or, you know, identifying what is true for you right now. And are those thoughts serving you? If they are, great. If they're not, how can we reframe them so they can serve us better and help us to achieve the life we really want to live and become the person we really want to be? So many powerful takeaways. Thank you, Becky, for sharing your story and your insights with us. If you want to find out more about how you can find Becky, especially her podcast, Cultivate a Good Life, you can go to extraordinarymom'spodcast.com. All the show notes are over there. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please take a screenshot, tag me, and share it on social. I would love to say thank you so, so much. And it helps new people to find the show that may really be in need of this type of encouragement. So, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.